Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the podcast, we have Braden Drake. He is a California licensed attorney who has a master's degree in tax law. He has an education company where he teaches other small business owners just like you how to get their legal and taxes together. Yeah, today we're covering his biz framework, all about how to, well, unfuck your biz framework. So all the mess that you've created with your taxes and your accounting and your contracts and your entities and all of that stuff, we all have questions about. He is helping you get clarity on a lot of the beginning stages and stuff that we know some of our listeners are still doing even a couple of years into businesses. So you get the mistakes, you figure out what you need to do differently, you figure out what resources that you can go to to make sure that you do all of this stuff smarter and better in the future. And then there's a really cool freebie that he mentions towards the end where you can go through an email sequence to learn how to set all of this stuff up in your own business so you can be legal and right and all of that good stuff. So jot down some notes and give this one a listen. Hey, Braden, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, well, I'm excited. I, we chat a lot in Instagram DMs about podcasts, about drama going on in the biz world. And biz I, drama. I think you guys are really like, I feel like I've been holding on to a secret and you're about to get in on my secret. So he's one of my really good friends out on the coast. And we're going to talk today about all the things you basically fucked up in your business and how we can fix them. So mm-hmm. yes. yeah. Super if you're someone topic. who actually knows what they're talking about. No, for <laughs> sure. He is. Well, what are, what are your technical qualifications? Cause I find it a little bit confusing that you both have the lawyer side and are you a, technically a CPA too? No. So I'm not a CPA. I am a California licensed attorney. So I went to law school here, took and passed the bar exam And then I also have a master's degree in tax law, which is a program through a law school. So the prerequisite is having a law degree. And basically what that means is most of my friends now work at like Ernst & Young doing international tax consulting for large companies. 
but occasionally CPAs will actually pay me to do tax research for them before they take a certain tax position for a client. But I do like more simplistic stuff for small businesses because that's way more fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about your framework that's really meant to help people get their ish together and start looking at their business a little bit more seriously. Sure. So I developed this framework because I started to realize that the majority of my clients were coming to me after already being in business for a couple of years. So they're hobbyists. Now they're maybe going full-time or they've been full-time, but never really focused on legal and tax because frankly, it's boring to most people. So I get that. (laughs) And so it's called the unfuck your biz framework because the idea is that we take all the stuff that you've done wrong. We undo that if need be, and then start fresh with a solid foundation. So I teach it in three phases. The first one is rebuild. So you're going to demolish what you've done wrong and then reform your business. And then after that, we'll create systems, automations, and then make sure that you're executing any sort of compliance tasks you need to do on a month-to-month basis. I love this. I think this is so helpful. There have been so many conversations we've had with our students who just think that if they ignore this side of their business, that it's not really going to cause them any problems. And they've just let it pile on and grow into this huge beast. So I love that you're here as a resource, not only for them to hire, but also today on the show, we're going to specifically really talk about the rebuild and the demolish stage of this framework, because I think that So many of us listening don't even realize all of the things that we are doing wrong. And maybe there's some tiny pivots that they can be doing now to not cause such a hot mess in the future. Yes. I see so many people who they have a tax or a legal question and, you know, like Uncle George is tired of their (laughs) shit and doesn't want to take their phone calls anymore and they can't like Google it. So they post it in a Facebook group and then they get a litany of bad information from people who don't know what they're talking about. And now all of a a sudden they have a C-Corp and are like paying double taxes because you just wouldn't know these things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I feel like I'm going to learn a lot today too, because I've relied heavily on Abby and our own bookkeeper and our own accountant over the years for our business, this partnership that we have. But I have a profitable side hustle and I've been leaning on Abby again to like help me make my Excel spreadsheet. Except I don't get a cut. So, <laughs> so the, she doesn't the, help me that much. <laughs> <laughs> and then my husband was like, I'll just like keep help you keep track of all this stuff, but he's already garbage at it. And so I'm trying to figure out what I need to be doing better. But yay. Okay. I'm here. Let's talk about all the things people are doing wrong. Okay. Perfect. So I have a few that we can talk about specifically, and then we can just kind of have a general dialogue about it because I'm yeah. sure that you guys will have a lot of fun stories stories that we can, we can play on as well. So the first big issue I see is people commingling their personal and their business money. So that's if you're like still doing this, what is wrong with you? <laughs> okay, let's not shout at the people in the back. Let's explain. Just... <laughs> let's just explain how this leads to poor money habits all around and also causes problems later. Sure. So what I always like to do is explain to people what you are legally required to do and then tell you what is just a good idea. Because a lot of times you'll hear people say you have to do that when you don't necessarily have to, you just probably should. So once you have an LLC or anything that I call a formal legal entity, like an S corp or a C corp, anything that actually requires you to file documents with a government entity, 
then you are required to have a separate bank account because in order to maintain the protection that your LLC gives you, you have to keep yourself separate from your business. So if you're a sole proprietor, a lot of people will also call them DBAs. If you're in that situation, you don't have to have a separate business account, but it's going to make your accounting and bookkeeping much easier. Mm-hmm. I even like I yell at you guys, but I do the same shit too. Yeah, I like, was gonna say you don't have a separate account. Yes, yet. I do. Oh, you do. Yes, I That's do. great. I do, but I didn't use it for a second. So I've had the separate account, but again, and I know this is the mental headspace so many of our people start. So I'm right here with you. When I started the side hustle or whatever we want to call it, it wasn't anything. Like I didn't have any plan for it. I didn't know if I was gonna make any sales, and so I would just buy some supplies from Amazon or Michael like using our regular family credit card because I was just doing it for fun. And then I actually made money. So I was like, oh shit, now I have to like back up a little bit. So like I did it soon enough to fix my mistake, but I know so many people, it just gets confusing where you're like, was that target purchase for work or for groceries? Yeah. So there's always a really hard point at delineating between when you have a hobby versus a business. But once you have a business, you want to separate it. And The really simple explanation for why is if you have all business income coming into your business bank account and all business expenses going out of that bank account, your bank statements are essentially a 100% accurate representation of your bookkeeping. That's not enough to protect you if you're audited, you still need receipts, but you're not having to like go through and look at all of the line by lines and figure out what's business and what's personal. It just makes your life a lot simpler. Yeah. I forget what I ate yesterday for dinner. So like y'all aren't going to remember your receipts or transactions from last mm-hmm. month. Yeah. So what I always recommend is if you go to Target and you need to buy some Post-its, just put that little bar there and separate mm-hmm. your transactions. And the people behind you might not love you, but that's just life and running a yeah. business so they can deal. So on that though, talk to me about receipts. Like I feel like with the online world and online receipts, I get way less receipts in general than I did even a couple of years ago. Even going to someplace like Walmart, you can opt out of receipts now, which is weird, but also cool. What are the implications on the business side for that? Do I need to be keeping paper receipts for everything? You can opt out of receipts at Walmart. How does that Mm -hmm. work? You use the app to pay and then they have like digital receipts on your phone. They're fancy. Well, I know that you two are both really on top of your shiz when it comes to automation. (laughs) So I'm sure there's probably like a zap you could use to put all those receipts in like a Google Drive folder or something. That would be cool. And no, we don't do that, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Just just an idea. But so it's interesting because I always kind of took the position that if your business banking was really clear, then that was probably sufficient. But I have a friend who started her own accounting business and she was an IRS auditor for 10 years. And she said, absolutely not. You need to have all your receipts. But really when it boils down to it, if you ever get audited, it's essentially a negotiation that you're having with an IRS agent. So a lot of it depends on luck of the draw and who you get. And if they're having a bad day and (laughs) they're having a bad day and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of the time, if you're just generally organized and you can prove stuff to a certain extent, then they'll be like, okay, these people have their shit together and then they'll kind of back off. So hopefully that's helpful. Ideally, if there's anything that's really prone to abuse, so like meal expenses, people just like to write all of those off willy nilly. 
So those I recommend keeping all your receipts for in particular, and then write on the back of the receipt, lunch with Emily to discuss next five episodes on this date, and then keep that in like a little file folder. You can also digitize it with QuickBooks and all these apps now let you take photos and save them. That makes sense. Yeah. I have just a file folder of Michael's receipts. Beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) Organize them and it'll it'll make it a little easier later, (laughs) but if not, you just have them. That's good enough for now. Yeah. So talk to us about forming the wrong entity. We get a lot of questions about, should I stay a sole proprietor? Should I move up? I mean, I have my own opinions about when it makes sense to be an S-corp. But other than that, I don't know a whole lot about the different variations. Sure. So this is where I kind of learned as a business owner to get my lingo in check because I used to write blogs titled like, choosing the optimal business entity for your small business. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, well, joke's on me. Like, no one's Googling that. No one they knows those words. Know what a business entity is. So when we talk about business entities, it's basically, are you a sole proprietor, a general partnership, LLC, that sort of thing. The biggest thing I always want people to know is that LLCs do not affect your taxes at all. So if you form an LLC, your income tax return is going to look exactly the same. The only difference is is that if your state has an annual fee, in California, we call it a franchise tax, then you have that. But it's typically a flat fee. Ours is $800 a year. Most other states are like $100 because, you know, this is California. But otherwise, your income taxes don't change. And the purpose of the LLC is to provide you liability protection to shield your personal assets if you're ever sued. So that's kind of like business entities 101. Uh, Abby, what were you going to say your recommendation is for when people should do an S-corp? So I think, at least in my experience, you need to be making enough money to justify the separation in terms of, I mean, because there are expenses associated with running an S-corp, like payroll provider fees, obviously your separate filings, if you're paying for a CPA to do those filings for you. So I was thinking, or I have thought in the past that a minimum of 100000 as a threshold for when it might make sense to do an S-corp, but it might even be more than that. So I don't know. Yeah. So do you both use Gusto for your yeah. business? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Awesome. So I also love Gusto and recommend them to all my clients. So you all should go check it out when you get on a payroll for your S-corp. Should we break down what an S-corp is and like how it actually works? Sure. Okay, I'll try to give the the quick synopsis. (laughs) So typically, when it comes to taxes, and I hope everyone doesn't get like too zoned out right now, I'll try to keep it brief. We typically we have income tax, which is the tax everyone pays. And then there's uh, self employment taxes. So when you're an employee, they call those payroll taxes, your employer takes care of Medicare and Social Security tax on your behalf. And that is a 15.3% tax. When you're self-employed, you have to pay that on your own. So not only are you paying income tax, which is all the tax brackets we see, but also the self-employment tax. So the way an S-corp works is that once you form an S-corp, you become both an employee of your own company and the sole shareholder. So the sole stockholder of your company. So if anyone listening has read Profit First or you're familiar with the concept of profit, that really comes from being a shareholder of your business. But long story short, when you do the S-Corp, you put yourself on salary, you know, $2,000 paycheck every other week for a $48,000 annual salary. And then if you have extra profit in your business above and beyond that $48,000, you can pay yourself distributions. So 
you know, like $5,000 a quarter or whatever. Those distributions are not subject to self-employment tax, just income tax. So essentially, whatever money you're making above and beyond your salary and profit, you're going to save a 15.3% self-employment tax on. Which P.S. adds up really fast. Yes. So it can be a huge tax. What does my financial advisor call it? Ethical tax savings. Like you're not lying. You're not doing anything against the law, but you're doing things that are in your favor in terms Mm -hmm. of keeping more money. You can't pay yourself a salary of a dollar and then take all your other distributions. Right. You have to have what's called a reasonable salary, which by the way, is not easy (laughs) to figure out what is considered reasonable. But I don't know, at least our CPA tries to say at least half of our income must come as a salary to justify the means later. And there's like a minimum she has, but every CPA is going to have different things they feel comfortable with. But I let the CPA make that decision for me Mm -hmm. so that if anything were to come back, like she said, (laughs) I can put the liability a little bit on y'all talk to Amy. Yeah. Like she said it. Yeah. So that's a, that's a really good point. My income tax professor always used to say whenever a client asked her whether she should do something on her tax return, her response would always be how risk averse are you? So that's kind of a good foundational point. So a lot of CPAs, tax professionals will give different guidance, but under the law, you do have to be paid a reasonable salary because basically the lower your salary is, the more taxes you're going to save. So typically, when you look at what a quote unquote reasonable salary is, you'll base that on the type of business you're in, the number of years of experience you have, and also your geographic area. So theoretically, an attorney that runs a solo practice in Los Angeles is going to need to pay themselves a much higher salary than a social media manager in Kansas. Yep. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. I mean, truth. (laughs) Whether I mean, we all know that now in in the modern age, like anyone can make pretty good money in online business, but we're looking at like what industry norms are. So that's how that works. You determine your reasonable salary, then you get on payroll and you save some taxes. So that's a great way to go. My goal is to get all of my clients to the point where they are ready to scale to an S corp within a year. That's always the idea. But one of the big mistakes I see is when people go on LegalZoom or similar services and they accidentally have a C-Corp because they just chose that. And now they have to file corporate tax returns and all this other kind of stuff. And that's not pretty. God forbid someone accidentally selects C-Corp instead of S-Corp. Say you do select the wrong one. Can you change your entity back or to something else? Yeah, it's pretty easy to change. And I should also mention that another thing people often don't know is that S-Corps aren't actually an entity. So you can't form an S-Corp out of the gate. You form either an LLC or a C-Corporation. And then you fill out this extra piece of paper and send it to the IRS that says, hey, IRS, I want my LLC to get S-Corp tax treatment. So you do that by first doing an LLC or a C-Corp. But what I've seen is people will go on and form a C-Corp when they're only making like $30,000. If you're making $100,000, you can go form a C-Corp and then file your S-Election and it's fine. C-Corps just have a few formalities like bylaws and stuff. But yeah, if you make that mistake, it's pretty easy. You can just, worst case scenario, you can dissolve it and then form the proper Mm. entity. That doesn't sound fun. Let's not do that, guys. No. No. Let's just... Do it from the beginning. My best suggestion is hire people to mm-hmm. help you make these decisions. Yeah. Even when we were making several hundred thousand, I never felt like, well, now I know what I should be doing on the legal no, and tax side harder. of my business. <laughs> like I wanted support and I wanted help. So what other sort of 
mistakes are you seeing people making? Sure. So last note on the corp stuff, I will, this is my action plan I give for everyone. Okay. Out of the gate, it's never a bad idea to form an LLC just right away for the protection. Once you're profiting about $50,000, then go talk to a professional to figure out when it's a good time to do an S-corp. That makes sense. C-corps, you're only really going to do once you start having a lot of employees or if you want to get investors, that's a whole different ballgame. And notice he said profiting. He didn't say your business could be making way more than 50, but profiting 50. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Some other mistakes uh, using ineffective contracts is a big one. So I call them Frankenstein contracts. This is, you know, when you like start at Rocket Lawyer and then you get like your friend Susie's contract and then another free one. As get some a words from a Pinterest post. Yeah, from a Pinterest yeah. post and then you mash them all together. And what ends up happening is people don't realize that when you do that, more often than not, you're going to have like four different paragraphs with contradictory language in them. <laughs> And if that ever gets taken to court, the court's basically going to say, well, these all contradict each other. So we're basically just going to delete them all out of your contract. Yeah. So that's how that works. How can we avoid having ineffective contracts? Is it just hiring a lawyer from the beginning? Yeah. So I'm not the person who's going to tell you that you have to pay a lawyer for everything. That's just not practical for a lot of us. There are several great template resources out there now. I have my own template store on my website. There are other attorneys that do the same thing. So that's a great foundational point because if you start with a solid template, you at least know that none of it's going to contradict itself. Yeah. And then if you need to make small tweaks, so like if I have in my template that your wedding photography client must pay you the balance due at least 30 days before the wedding date and you want to change 30 to 50, that's a simple fix easy enough to do on your own. Once you go and want to add in entire provisions, that's a good time to do like a one-off consultation with a lawyer to make some tweaks. Yeah. Protect yourselves. Yes. Also be careful of provisions that are not applicable in your jurisdiction. So what that means is in the state of California, we just generally don't allow non-disparagement clauses. So you can't have a clause in your contract that states that your client won't write you any negative Yelp reviews. That's not allowed. And you can actually be penalized for that if anyone were to file a complaint on it. So there's that. A non-compete agreements are typically not allowed here either. So if you're hiring a VA or an independent contractor to come work for you, you don't want to have non-compete clauses. I would assume that's mostly just because the industries that are in California specifically, like the likelihood of you working for a similar business is high because of the concentration of tech and stuff like that. To be honest, it really has more to do with politics. So California is very liberal, which means we tend to be very worker focused and worker friendly. Uh, That's why we have very strict independent contractor rules now, which we could talk all about that on a different podcast. (laughs) But I have a very good attorney friend who's based in Dallas. And we always like joke on Instagram about how different our states are. And she was like, yeah, employees are basically dead to the state of Texas. If you own a business, you can do whatever you want. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, how do we figure out what clauses we can and can't include in our state? Because I know, at least for us, I'm sure I could find a lawyer down the street, but they're not necessarily focused on online business or small business. And the contract shops I'm familiar with They're definitely not in my region. So like, Mm -hmm. how could I figure out what I could or couldn't add? 
Sure. So you will notice if you go to any attorney that sells online contract templates, they're always going to have a disclaimer that says, talk to an attorney in your state to customize this template. We all have to do that because it's basically a legal requirement for us. But I do want to give a little bit of peace of mind. For the most part, when it comes to how your client's going to pay you, how much they pay you, when they're going to pay you, what services you're going to provide, that rarely has any tweaks or changes needed from state to state. There are just a few nitpicky provisions. So if there's something that you want to add to your template and you're just not sure Honestly, like start with Google. So say non-disparagement clause in Kansas or New York or whatever. And if it says that they're not allowed, don't put it in. If it's kind of a gray area and it's pretty important to you, then go talk to an attorney about whether it should be there. That makes sense. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of art listeners out there who have used the Frankenstein contract. So I think it's worth your minutes to have an admin day and clean that shit up and make sure that your things are actually going to hold. Well, and we definitely have done that version. Yep, we did for that sure. for our, the entire time we had clients, basically. We finally kind of got our act together and maybe bought a template. Maybe. I think we've bought one template. Please no one sue us. We're clearly not protected. <laughs> not necessarily. <laughs> but uh, we have hired one guy locally. And I will tell you... <sighs> It's not the same, guys. Bob is (laughs) spent a lot of hours in a room with Bob, and we had a lot of fun, but it took forever. Mm -hmm. So, like, Mm -hmm. ask around. I would say if I could go back and do it again, I do. I mean, I trusted him for what we were doing, which was important. But if I were to work with someone and I needed something quick, I would probably go and. I know a lot of you are in Facebook groups for small business, but I don't know if you're in Facebook groups for business in your region. I definitely recommend joining a couple of those. Like if you were to go to, oh, there's like a Kansas City Entrepreneurs Group, then you could pop in there and say, does anyone know of a lawyer in town? I think that would go a lot better than Bob. <laughs> yeah. One of, um, I feel like you would appreciate this. One of the core values on my website is you don't need a corner office attorney to get your business legit. Yeah. Yeah. And it reads like, you don't need to go to George's office on the 43rd floor and listen to him mansplain to you while you stare out. <laughs> oh, his that's window. exactly what happened. 100% what happened. So. I was going to die. So that doesn't have to happen. I would say if anyone really wants a personal attorney or ask questions, they can feel free to message me. I have about 15 attorney friends across the country and one of us can find you someone. Well, that's awesome. I appreciate you giving that resource because I know it's one of those things that you want it to be right, but you're not always sure who to ask. So it's nice to have someone in your corner. to one of our meetings because I knew it was going to be awful. It was fine. I had wine in a swell bottle. For the record, it was our partnership agreement and it was in case one of us like dies or gets divorced. So it was kind of important. So I was willing to sit there for a while for it. So <laughs> That's super important. Partnerships is like the one area where I tell people like, don't like be dicking around with online don't, sources. No. You need to go get an attorney yes. for a partnership. Agreement. We definitely hired someone that's done it for yeah. decades. So yeah. like you have said more than once, like it's going to be harder for us to split up than for us to like get a divorce from our actual spouses. 
Which P.S. Yeah, none nice. of that's happening. None of that's happening, guys. Calm down. Well, I'll let you all know if any of your listeners are in Southern California, you can book a meeting at my office. I work across Perfect. the street from the taco stand <laughs> so we can get a burrito. The beer tap at WeWork is open from noon to three every day. It's a great time. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> You're like, I will come to that meeting instead. Uh-huh. Yes. So before we go into talk strategy to me, can you give me like just a couple quick nitpicky things that you see people doing that you're like, I wish I could tell more people to do this instead of that or do this instead of that? Yeah, I feel like I'm always trying to preach the good gospel that is quarterly taxes. So I talk about that a lot. I mean, I've done like two hour workshops just on quarterly taxes, so we don't need to get into the weeds, (laughs) but I see people say all the time, well, my friend told me I don't have to pay them. Like, I don't need to pay them. I'm not going to get enough money. My philosophy is that if you're not making a profit, if you haven't turned a profit, you don't need to pay quarterly taxes because you're not going to owe any tax. But as soon as you're making money, then just start paying quarterly taxes because... It's going to make your life a lot easier. And also a lot of people end up paying interest and penalties for failure to pay quarterly taxes without even realizing it when they go to file their tax return. No. And that bill come tax season, if you haven't paid your quarterly taxes, girlfriend will make you want to quit. (laughs) Well, and I mean, it's... Can we it's all just like get over have, the fact? But... Yeah, like let's get over the fact that if we have to pay the government money, that means we're making it. So yes. that's a solid. So let's like give ourselves some props and know that if we're paying someone else, it's because we're doing great. And the bigger that bill is, the more money you're making. I actually, yeah, I actually had someone cry in my office last year when we finished doing their tax return because I also do tax returns because I just got nothing else going on. Because you know nothing else. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so I challenged her. I said, for next year, I want you to replace your top line revenue goal with a tax bill goal. So I want you to say next year, my goal is to owe $20,000 in taxes. And that's how much money I'm going to have saved. Because for her to owe that much, it meant that she was going to have about $150,000 in profit year. And she said, okay, I'll do that. That's a good way to look at it. I like that. It's kind of a fun way to, you know, twist it. Yeah. But my top tip with quarterly taxes is I recommend that everyone calculate how much tax they owe based on their gross revenue. So all the money you're bringing in. A lot of CPAs will tell you a dollar amount that you should pay for next year. But that's really hard for small business owners to manage because they're like, okay, well, I have income, I have expenses. Like, how do I know how to get to my $5,000 tax bill? So what I do instead is I say, Abby, based on your income, based on your husband's income, you're going to fall in this tax bracket. You'll have about a 22% effective tax rate on your gross income. So you should have set aside 22% of every single dollar you earn into a savings account to pay your quarterly taxes. And then I recommend that people do that with, I use an app called Catch, now C-A-T-C-H, or um, I also use the Quapital app, which is a money savings app. It sets up a savings account for you. You put in your savings percentage and it will automatically withdraw the money from your bank account. That's cool. Yeah. I like that idea for sure. Yeah. So then once per quarter, about three days before the due date, you transfer the money back over into your bank account and then you go to the IRS website and make your payment. Mm-hmm. I must be old school. I've always mailed in a check. 
You do the vouchers? Yeah, I do the voucher. Well, I think this must be because my husband likes the idea of doing the yeah. vouchers. I don't think it has anything to do with me. Mostly. No, our, our accountant sends us the vouchers, but I've always paid them online. Yeah, just knock it out online. You pay I think he likes the rate. idea that like it's slower if he sends a check. So it like, takes he might earn three more cents interest or something. What yeah, a that's nerd. Kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. And I know people are going to come away and they're going to have things they're kind of whirling around and not really knowing where to start. So if you see someone who's maybe been in business a while and they want to go through that rebuild stage that you've talked about today, can you give us three to five action steps where someone could go through and kind of just do a self audit to see where they might need to make some fixes? Sure. So if you don't mind, my first tip will be pretty self-serving. I'm going to tell everyone to download my free guide yes. at bradendrake.com slash boss project. And that will have my framework. And I actually created an email sequence for you all. So you'll get guides on each of these steps on a week to week basis with like step by step instructions. So I have like a small biz blueprint that makes sure you have all your licenses, a tax plan, lots of goodies. So start there. And then I would say, make sure that you have all the licenses you need. And then the other big thing is I often talk about the layers of protection for your business. So the foundational layers are contracts and insurance. Those are the cheapest ways to protect your business. If you don't have those, start there. Number three is an LLC. So you can get that. And then paying your taxes, I also consider a layer of protection. Trademarks, once you need them, that's kind of a more advanced thing. And then also the last layer of protection, I always say, is common sense. Mm -hmm. So you can work on that one too. So you can work on that one. (laughs) Yeah. Don't be an asshole and like you're not going to have to worry about being sued all too often. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Cover your basis. You'll be fine. Thank you so much for that, guys. We'll make sure we put that link directly in our show notes as well. So if you missed that, you can head to like click more details where you're listening and then it'll pop up our website page for it. And then the link will be right there for you guys. Thank you so much for all of that. Where else can people hang out with you online? I know you said you were over on Instagram. Yeah, I'm on Instagram a lot. My Instagram handle is Braden, B-R-A-D-E-N, Adam, like the biblical figure, Drake, like the rapper. So Braden Adam Drake is my full name. Great. Love it. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks. It was great. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. 
Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.